right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, not only for our shows, but also the shows that my guest, our frequent guest, one of our most welcome guests here at the Lakers Fast Break. If you can go ahead and five-star not only our shows, but his shows, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, like, subscribe, and please, if if there's an NBA fan in your life, tell them about all the things that are going on with his shows coming up that I'm going to tell you about, but also ours as well here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is that time. The teams are heading out to Orlando this week. In fact, when this drops on the airwaves in the podcast form, some of the teams are actually already will have landed in Orlando. I know the folks in Toronto already know that the Toronto Raptors have been in Florida for quite some time, but there will be some teams heading out to Orlando. Actually, we'll be dropping there the 7th, the 8th, the 9th in that area. So if you get a chance, uh, go ahead and start keeping an eye out on what's going on with your team, whether it's the Lakers or some another team that you have in mind. Just go ahead and beware that they're heading out to Orlando. They'll be flying. They'll be landing in over the next few days. So the bubble will commence after some testing and things of that nature. So I'm expecting a few more coronavirus positives. That's what I'm guessing anyways. But Mm -hmm. there is a lot to talk about when it concerns the bubble itself, the scrimmage schedule, a second bubble in Chicago possibly, and more coming up here on today's show. And here to break it down with me again is a good man indeed. You got to follow what he and Joe Gomez are doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. That's NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. He's got over 11,000 subscribers and he needs more. Well, we all need more subscribers in life, but he he needs more because he's got a, a lot of great videos that are there. I mean, just a lot of great content. If you're an NBA fan, you got to head over to NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, which I'm showing to our video audience right now. Plus also his great site where he and Joe Gomez works on a lot of great things there as well. NBADraftJunkies.com. And I'm showing that to you right now, including mock drafts and so much more. It is my good friend. Indeed, it is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks for coming back on. I want to ask you this, my friend. Tell us. Really, when you go to Twitter and you see at Barlow 500, tell us what you truly think about Scotty Pippen's hair. <laughs> you know, I got to get you on something. You know, I got to get you on something. Off, you caught me on guard with that one. I tried to. I, I was going to tell you right now, I tried to. Ever since the bicycling, and you know, I hear about his adventures, I try to see if I can take one aspect of his life and try to not throw it at him per se, but just try to throw him off a little bit. I like to bring a smile to your face. Yeah. You got me good on that one. I, uh, <laughs> I was cracking up when I saw Scotty Pippen, who's at least 54 years old with cornrows or braids or whatever the, the, the preference name is, but he just looks hilarious to me. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting to see him. And then he had on sunglasses in the house at that. That's what made it so funny. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're 54 or 52, however old Scotty is, and you have a, a strong hairline and you, and you still have, uh, you know, you're able to grow braids, then then I guess you might as well show off. Show well, off I'm, the, I'm a little bit envious got. because I'm 51. And as you can see, my hairline is not so strong. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's going to be a great time indeed, my friend, always when you're on the show. Before we Thank go you. ahead and get into the nitty gritty as far as all the stuff we want to talk about when it comes to the bubble, because they're about to enter the bubble. And in fact, mm -hmm. when this drops on Wednesday to the RTF Sports Network, the Discover Community Network, and of course, all those podcast outlets, they will have already dropped for the most part. Most teams will have dropped by then. I want to go ahead and hear what's going on first off with NBA Draft Junkies. Is there any updates that you need to give the, the people out there right now? Yeah, just been working, watching film. The, the newest thing I have is it'll be a, a podcast and also a video. I, I did an interview, a Zoom conference call interview with Eve Ponce, the um, small forward out of Tennessee. Right now he's 50-50 on whether he's going to stay in the draft. But it was my first time actually doing a, an interview with a draft prospect. And so I thought it went really well. I'm just uh, going through the editing part of it now. And then since I'm, I plan to add some video to it for YouTube. So that should be up before before this podcast hits the airwaves. Oh, sweet. Are they going to find it on the NBA Draft Junkies channel? Is that correct? Yeah, I put it on a channel. And then maybe sometime this week. Uh, I don't want to mention the names because I don't want to, you know, it's not locked in stone yet, but I should have a couple international prospects that will do um, some Zoom interviews. So I'm nice. looking forward to that. So hopefully I can um, just continue to add different content to the site as far as interviews. And then um, I have another MyGM video that um, that should be coming up pretty soon. So it's pretty much the same, just just working and, you know, got to update all the social media stuff and update the web website and try to watch more film. So it's been keeping me pretty busy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can imagine it's keeping you busy. And the access, hopefully, that you will get going forward to some of these draft prospects and to get inside the mind of what they're thinking. Like you said, one of them is 50-50 or on the fence because mm -hmm. of the fact that, you know, there is always that uncertainty, even though that you have these teams, wink, 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 trying to give you the heads up whether or not they're going to draft you or not. It, it's still not a sure thing sometimes. Some of these draft picks have to decide whether or not they want to commit or risk possibly not even being drafted in the NBA. Yeah, especially this year where it's a little bit more difficult because there won't be any workouts. Well, it doesn't look like there'll be an opportunity for guys to work out and, and um, you know, I'm saying like kind of make a name for themselves and work out. So I think that's going to hurt some guys and it may help some guys also because they, you know, whatever team may have a guy on their list is going to be based off of what they saw in the regular season, as opposed to getting to see the player up close. So like I said, some guys may benefit from it and some guys may be hurt by it. Thank you again for taking the time to speak to me. And I'm looking forward to hearing those conversations that you're going to have with some of these draft prospects going forward. I also want to hear if you get a chance, and this is just a personal request from someone who does listen to your stuff and is so enamored with what you're doing at NBA Draft Junkies. And you have spanned the globe. I mean, sometimes when I, when I talk to you and you talk about all the various places you go to, I think I, I have like Jim McKay in the back of my mind talking about the wide world of sports spanning the globe from, you know, da, 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 and I just, you know, cause all the, the, the wonderful places you have been to, to watch this game has just been tremendous, but yeah, it's just, 
I wanted to get, you know, any type of deeper insight into your evaluation of players is always mm -hmm. something that I find fascinating because as someone who truly lives the game of basketball and evaluates these players nonstop, it's just fascinating to hear everything, your, your process, the way you approach it, the way you evaluate these players. And now that you have Joe Gomez working with you on that, it's just awesome to see how you're you're bringing him into that process and he's trying to go ahead and provide his insight as well. Like I said, that was the plan when I first started the site because um, I want to say I wanted to find a way to break in myself years ago. And this was before really like the whole draft Twitter and, and there was these platforms, but I just didn't know how. And so Joe is someone who I've been friends with on Facebook for a few years now and he's always you know kind of been talking about the draft and so he said he wanted to get involved and i had him send me like the scouting report and he sent it to me as if i were like a major employer i mean just sent it broke everything down and then i thought okay well you know he knows what he's talking about i don't have a major following but i do have somewhat of a of a platform it's a lot harder to get started and start from scratch and so for the people that, um, you know, may not want to start from scratch, but just still want a platform, I hope that I can provide that. So Joe's the first. And then there's, um, I don't know if you've seen it on my Twitter, there's a young guy out of Turkey, um, Kuze Kilic. Man, I really like working with this this guy. I don't want to keep calling him a kid, even though he's a, he's a teenager, but he works so hard and he's able to... Um, you know, he's able to score some pretty big interviews and he does his scouting reports in two different languages. And so, I mean, you know how the time it takes for you, like just to do your draft board and to watch the film. And he's been doing that and then he'll do his report, but he'll write it in English and then he'll write it in Turkish. So I really admire like his work ethic. And so um, he's going to be working with with me on NBA Draft Junkies. And so it will help him get a little bit more exposure in the States. And then it also help NBA Draft Junkies get some exposure overseas. So I think it's a win-win. Absolutely. Sounds like it indeed. So if you want to get that better perspective on the NBA Draft prospects and everything that's coming up in the NBA Draft, no better place to go than NBA Draft Junkies. And I'll tell you what, Raphael, I wish you continued success. And anything I can do to help, you know, I'm always go, you know, always willing to chip in as well just because you've done so much for this show it's the least i can do for yours as well yeah i'm definitely going to have you on as a guest i mean i've just been thinking of different ways to be creative as far as just adding content so what i would like to do is for you know like there's guys on twitter like they have their favorite team and they just talk about their team all the time so what i want to do is find guys from all 30 teams and invite them on as a guest and we'll talk about the draft prospects for the team you know their team and who they like who they should draft and so i haven't told you yet but i'll, I'll say it live on the air the lakers will be the first one and then um you will be on the clock <laughs> as the general manager of the lakers and you you uh you have to break down and tell me who you would choose if you were rob palenka so Fair I think enough. that could be fun and, and creative and it, it just allows, um, you know, it allows myself to interview different people, get different perspectives. And then I also think that that strategy is probably good for growth on both Do ends. Do I have to pick a clutch client? <laughs> um, 
you know, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen their full draft class. I don't think Tyrese Maxey will be available or Anthony Edwards. I don't think they'll be available when the Lakers are choosing. So it looks like you might be off the hook for that one. Okay, fair enough. I appreciate that. Just, just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. But yes, uh, I, I accept the challenge. And uh, anytime you can have me on, I, I just truly appreciate it. And again, just you know, for all the things you've done here, it, it goes both ways. Anything you need from us here at the Lakers Fast Break and myself, just let us know. Now, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Like I said, you got me into the podcast, and it was something that I wanted to do, and it was something in the back of my head I knew I needed to get started. I said, oh, I'll start tomorrow. Oh, that's my goal for this week. But then just coming on as a, a regular guest here, I was like, man, I've fallen in love with it. And so, you know, like I said, anytime you ask me to be a guest on the show, if it's three days a week, four or five, I'll make time. We might just have to go to that as it gets closer to the playoffs, my friend. You never know. You never know. But there's a I'm lot to talk about. Oh, I'm quick. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully next year in Las Vegas, we can do the Lakers fast break live during Summer that. League. I would love that opportunity. Uh, I hope so. I hope uh, God willing. I hope uh, health willing. I'm hoping coronavirus willing that we'll be able to go ahead and and meet up and do that because as you and I both have experienced summer league, it's, it's an experience unlike anything else. So that's probably the best way to say it, especially for basketball fans. I mean, if you're a basketball fan and you ever get to come down to Las Vegas for summer league, when everything is back up and running for summer league in the way it was intended, like you and I both have experienced, it's a, it's a basketball lover's dream. Well, you know my theory, Lonzo Ball ruined Summer League. <laughs> so it used to be, you know, everyone was accessible. You could meet different people. And it was more like it was, I mean, it's good for the NBA that it has grown to the levels where it's at now. But I feel like before 2017, it was just the real diehard fans that, outside of the Lakers fans, I mean, whenever the Lakers played the arena would be full. Well, but Zion was, this past year. Zion this past Zion, year. Zion, yeah, like I think Lonzo took it to one level and then Zion took it to the next. And uh, I went, so I think the Zion, I went last year, I was actually in Greece the first few days and I flew from Greece to Las Vegas for summer league. So I actually watched the first Zion game, I don't know, it was probably like three o'clock in the morning there. And then I ended up flying there, but it was packed. I mean, like, I, I wasn't able to have a credential. So I had <laughs> tickets for like, I don't know, like $40 or something like that. And I remember when they were like $17 or. For the whole day. Yeah. And you could sit in a whole row, stretch your legs out. You could go grab something to eat and come back. Your seat is still there. Now it's, it's totally different. And so. There'd be coaches um, at GMs just like scattered. They would there, yeah. I remember 2012. The Blazers played the Pelicans on the main court in the Thomas and Mack. I sat on the first row next to, maybe he was a couple seats down, from Neil O'Shea and um, and uh, Terry Stotts. And it was Lillard's first game, and it was against Austin Rivers. And then, um, you know, just the – I think Paul Allen was, you know, a couple seats down. So those experiences, I mean, you, you won't get those anymore because now the players are – ushered to like the first couple roles and 
you know, their security. But before that, you know, I mean, guys would just be sitting in the stands between the games. So, like I said, it's good for the NBA that Summer League has grown. I can't imagine, like, they never envisioned it being as big as it was, as big as it is now. I mean, they probably make so much money off of it now. So it's good for the game. But I feel like from the aspect of networking and accessibility, it's a lot tougher now than it has been since, well, previous to 2017. We're getting all the teams together. Because as you know, it was like mm-hmm. Salt Lake. Uh, it was oh, yeah, Orlando. Yeah. Orlando. Mm-hmm. I think it was like it was scattered. Yeah, well, the main one was in Orlando. And then they had the smaller ones, like the Rocky Mountain Review. I think they even had a smaller one in Denver also. Okay. So, yeah, yeah then, then they now all combined into one. And I think that makes the most sense. Uh, it just seems more enjoyable that way. Uh, for, well, I mean, I'm here in Las Vegas. It's easy for me to say. But, you know, it, it just seemed like for the fans also as well, they were able to catch more games of the teams that they wanted to see. It's kind of hard or the difficult times or difficult access because the NBA wasn't going as far as they were televising some of the games in Orlando. They weren't televising much in Salt Lake City. Uh, they weren't televising much anywhere else, but it was always Las Vegas that they would go ahead and centralize. And now you have access to all those teams and all those games. It's good. I mean, you still have when it comes to a what if you went last year even in in Zion if even if you went to like a game between let's say Cleveland and New York not well not New York uh, Cleveland and Indiana yeah. during the summer you, you still would find that half empty or a quarter full uh, you know uh, side it would be at the Cox Pavilion the side arena and you would see it empty you, so you get still some of that taste of that empty arena type deal but. For the most part, like you said, it was it was uh, packed gyms, and uh, especially with a with a highlighted player that you see on the billboards in the weeks beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see who's going to be there and who's going to commit. So, they the hype machine there, the hype machine is real, and you know, I'm I'm glad for the NBA. But you're right; those days that you and I have experienced, where you would literally just fifteen bucks a whole day, all games, walk right in. And you, I've, I've actually sat like you next to coaches and dinner manager and players just sitting there. And I just leave them alone. I don't talk to them. I don't ask for autographs. I'm not, I'm not an autographed guy per se. Yeah. And, and just, you know, I just said, I just want to hear what they have to say. That's more interesting to me is their conversations about right. and evaluations of players even back then. So, so I hear you, man. I hear you. Have you, have you had the luxury, I don't know his name, sitting next to the guy, he's there every year with the Lakers jersey on, and he has the long socks pulled up to his knees, and he does play-by-play? Have you, I've, you know, not, I've seen him, but I've not heard his play-by-play. He sits, so I've sat next to him a couple of times. The first time it was irritating, but he does color and play-by-play in two different voices the entire game. And he's like having these full conversations with himself. And it is, I mean, I think that he's special needs. And so I think that every year someone, you know, kind of brings him there. Yeah. And, but he stays to himself, but he sits there. And like I said, the first time he sat next to me, I was like, this is so annoying. But then the more and more, like, as the game went on, it's like he's really like two different people at once. He's like, did you see that, Bob? And, oh, it's just amazing how his mind operates. So I feel like... 
with the growth of Summer League, I don't get a chance to see him <laughs> or sit by him as often as I used to. But he would be there all day long. And I'm like, man, does he even get tired? No water breaks. He would literally just game, 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 and go on. And he knew the players. He knew the stats. And uh, he's someone that I've, I've talked about on Twitter with um, a couple of uh, agents and some fans. I would love to get his information and just have him tell his story one day because it's so interesting. That would be awesome to hear. And he's not even, uh, to my knowledge, like you said, because I just I have seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that you, you – it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Lakers jersey, no T-shirt underneath yep. every year, every day. He, But he's not doing this over social media. He's just no, right he's there. Just right there at the game, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome to hear his story and, and, and why he loves doing it so much. So, yeah, I – I would love to you know, get a chance. Maybe if you and I are able to go ahead and, and meet up in Las Vegas, we can go ahead and search him out and, and be able to talk to him. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think anybody that has been going to Summer League for years would, like I say, you knew who I was talking about immediately, would, would probably be interested in hearing his story. Absolutely. Because you have hardcore fans like that. Uh, it's obviously the Lakers uh, mm-hmm. uh, being so close to Los Angeles and, that's the reason why, uh, you know, here in town, we always say you can't bet on the Lakers. You'll never get the real odds on the Lakers because always so much money is put on them. In fact, uh, you know, it's gone from the Lakers being starting out in second as far as the odds are to move, being moved up to the first just because so much money and action has been put on the Lakers. I know ESPN's BPI says different, but, you know, hey, boy, I'm not here to say either which way we already talked about that with uh, laker tom on those odds and whatnot we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout but we'll be back with more of the lakers fast break podcast check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse i see the potential for basically like another netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse every week on apple podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options they are heading to orlando this week my friend and uh, i want to know if you were in as far as either uh, as a player or as part of the the coaching staff, or part of the what thirty seven? Is it thirty five or thirty seven staff personnel? I think I've seen both. I don't know. I've seen I both. Mean, That's why I'm asking. I didn't yeah, know. I don't know if it started off at thirty five and it went to thirty seven, or or the other way around. But I don't know the exact number. Or the whole contingent that's going there. Let's say you're part of that. What do you think would that process for you would be like? Because Malika Andrews, like you, you noted to me uh, of ESPN, she's already there quarantining, and you're going there, and you're part of that, the contingent that's there. And for the Lakers, Lionel Holland's assistant coach has said he is not going to attend due to previous health restrictions and 
concerns that obviously uh, would would come about should he get the virus. I want to hear your thoughts as far as how would you approach that mindset if you were heading down there, you know, whether, like I said, as a player, a coach, or any part of the contingent down there as far as, uh, let's say, for the Lakers or any other NBA team for that matter. How would I handle it? I think I'd be okay with it. Um, I'm not a, the type of person that always has to be out in in different groups, and I'm, I'm fine with isolation, but I think there may be some people that will have issues with it. Um, Cabin fever, I think, will run high here in the month of maybe late uh, August. Yeah. Well, the part that I would struggle with is – and I, I, how long has Malika been there? Is it like four days? Four days. I know she talked four about days. Yeah, I know she was on the Hoops Collective mm-hmm. uh, this week. And I also know she was on the Woj Pod as well, talking about the, the quarantining process beforehand. And, and she said when this dro- when the, that episode drops, which is Monday when we're taping this, that she would be able to go ahead now and get out of the quarantine period. So, yeah, it's about a four to five day period, I believe. So I test every day and you yeah. get the nasal tests in each nose. I think what she said, at least the first time she gets. So. See, I, I was, I guess I, I knew a little bit of how it was supposed to go. Cause I have a friend that is playing in China and his was 14 days and he was <laughs> locked in his room for 14 days. I don't even think his door could open from the inside and the way that she described it on the Hoop Collective podcast was very similar to what he said. They dropped the food off three times a day. And I doubt if he had the food options that she mentioned because he was in China. <laughs> so, I will just say that. Yeah. So uh, when he got out, I guess the the person that worked for the team came in, got him out. It was almost like he was being released from being incarcerated. And he was so happy to take his first step outside of that, um, outside of the hotel room. But he was there 14 days. And he said that he was doing wind sprints in the room. And so even when I, like I said, when I heard the Hoop Collective podcast, when they were talking about the producer that had, she's doing like her, her 5K, it was all similar to what, to what a friend of mine was saying uh, when he was in China. So I remember like, you know, checking on them every every couple of days, like, you all right? Are you, how are you holding up there? So, I know it's it's tough. Uh, I mean, China was China's was very strict, and then I've been seeing like in different leagues across the world that they had their own version of the bubble. A couple of the players in um, Israel have been fined and suspended for breaking the bubble, going out, and then um, the TBT. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that this weekend. Their bubble is interesting because if you lose, you don't get the chance to go back to the hotel. You have to have your bags packed, and um, and teams have been eliminated from from the tournament because a player has tested positive. So, I think I would be okay if I were in the NBA bubble, but it may depend. You know, it may depend on how my team is expected to play. You know, if you're I don't know if you're the Suns, then you, then you probably, you know, you may think, oh, it's going to be like two weeks. But if you're the Lakers or the Bucks or, you know, a team that has championship aspirations, you have to be mentally prepared to be in this bubble until September. That's uh, around there, if I'm not mistaken. What, late September 
Or is it Something October? Like well, yeah, you know, it might be October for the it's finals because I know the draft is the 17th, I believe. Yeah, I think it might be early October. But my fear is that, you know, like Summer League, like I've I've been going to Summer League every year for maybe like the past 10 years, but I've never stayed past like day five. Because it you drags. I, I hear you. It drags. Yeah, it drags. And then, then they even tried to add the, the tournament to kind of spice it up. But at that point, I don't even think that really holds a lot of weight anymore because the best players aren't really playing anymore and guys are just ready to go. And I even feel like when I'm, you know, seeing all my friends, everybody's gone by then. And it seems like that last weekend or whatever, seemed, I don't know, maybe Vegas locals. So I wonder, is there going to be a similar effect with, you know, like with the in the playoffs, because if a team is down 2-0, I wonder, are they going to say, hey, you know, <laughs> let's, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to get out of this, out of this bubble. So, so I wonder how that is going to affect some of the people who are going to struggle with being in, in isolation and, and, and not having their freedoms that they're used to. Sort of like it went, if let's say the Bucks plays, whoever is going to fall in the eighth place, whether it's Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington, any of those three teams and they're down to zero you're saying just like and let's say it's washington bradley beal if you if you manage to keep him playing throughout he would be sat down or you think he might come up with the old hamstring pool for the last two games or anything like that i think he'd play i think he i would think play. i think he would but simply because washington has a chance now yeah. with, with the whole situation with the nets Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, the Phoenix has the hardest, hardest road there. They have the mm-hmm. least likely scenario because they've got the most teams to pass the most. And I don't have necessarily the most ground to make up. Actually, they do have the most ground to make up and they have the most team to pa- most teams to pass. So, yeah, I see them very quickly shutting down Ayton and Booker. I think Booker would like to play simply because you don't get a chance to really see him on TV a lot. And so I think for Phoenix and and Booker, maybe even Aiton, this would be an opportunity to really be on national TV because how often do you see the Suns on TNT or ESPN? The last time I could think of is when they paired Aiton versus Luka. And that whole thing, but I don't, I don't remember. Well, I was, I was in China. This well, year, was so games, both of those games, I bet you're going to go on NBA TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely be on NBA TV. But even then, you don't see the Suns a lot on NBA TV anyway. So, I think for some guys, it may be an opportunity to just get out and play. But Booker seems like a guy that just likes to play. Period. Uh, he he's a really good kid, and his game is improving i mean he goes under the radar there in phoenix for a lot of people but they Mm -hmm. don't see the development that you and i see because yeah he can shoot yeah he can score we we know that but coming into the season he needed to do more as far as all-around playmaking skills and i believe he's taken a great step towards that i mean his assists defense uh, rebounding I just I see a better all-around player. I see him. I don't know if it's with Phoenix or somewhere else. I know in New York, <laughs> you keep talking about the Knicks and the Knicks fans say, "Oh please, oh please." But 
I really see him as someone who could break out in the next two to three years. Just, just, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, as a player, he's broken out. It's just a matter of them putting together some wins. So it doesn't look like empty calories because, you know, he kind of, for those that don't really pay attention to the NBA closely, but they know about him. They have him in his box as a shooter. And I think that's because of the Clay Thompson comparisons early in his career. And I think that's more so because they have, you know, they may look alike, but he is a complete offensive player. I mean, he, he can play pick and rolls. They play him a lot of point guard. He, I mean, he's very talented and he's so young. I mean, I think he's like 23 or 24 and it seems like he's in his like fifth year already. Just shows how young he was as a rookie. But I don't think the the national audience has really had an opportunity to see him. You just see his box scores. So that's why I say for him, this may be an opportunity to to be on TV. I hope so because he is a really good player. Anytime you know, especially people like you and I that that want to evaluate players continuously. Uh, get a chance to see what he does because he does some really good things on the court. And I, like I said, he's still very young. Mm-hmm. So he still has a lot of maturing and growing up still to do as a player. And I see good things going ahead, provided he stays healthy. And if Phoenix can keep him, that's the bigger question, I think, going forward. If not, he could really become a, a, an outstanding player more so than he is now. I mean, he's a fringe all-star you know, sometimes he's on all-star teams, sometimes not because people hold back what he does with because of the overall record, because of Phoenix. But I think he's right there on the cusp of, of really some really, really great things. And either as a number one or a number one A on a team, I think he can really do some special things going forward. Yeah, Phoenix, I mean, they have their cornerstones with Aiton and Booker. Now it's just a matter of finding the right complementary pieces to, you know, just to be around them. I saw interesting. I don't know if I saw it. I I thought of it on my own. Can't remember, but Buddy Hield is, he'll be 28 when the season starts uh, next year. If it's, are you sure? Are you (laughs) sure when it comes to Buddy Hield, you're never quite sure. Well, on paper, (laughs) if the season starts December 1st, I think Buddy Hield will be, 28 and he'll be in the first year of his max contract. Devin Booker will be like 23, maybe 24 in like the second year of his max contract. Well, I mean, Buddy Hill didn't sign the max. I'm sorry, but he'll be in the second year of his second. He'll be in, he'll be in the first year of his second contract, while Booker may be halfway done with his second contract, and he's like at the minimum four years younger. Just yep. shows the the difference in age as far as when they enter the league. That's true. There was quite a difference, and uh, I know there was also an issue about his paperwork and things of that nature. And the end actually ended up being what a year older than what he was actually originally listed as. So yeah, yeah, so. I think I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, what? he's a great shooter. Buddy Heald fits a niche for Sacramento or could fit a niche for a lot of other teams because I understand now that he's coming off the bench and he's been able to thrive in that position. I think going forward, if he continues his good shooting, that's something that will translate through his contract 
if he can go ahead, do you see him as a player staying that like that six man type role? Do you, or do you see him on another team? Because that's the question I think with, with a lot of people is do the Sacramento Kings, you know, can they afford to keep him as a six man or do they want to go ahead and trade him for assets and have him be a contributor somewhere else? I think that's tough to say simply because going into, we're not going into, as the season abruptly ended, Sacramento was one of the hottest teams in the league. And it seems like they were successful with bringing him off the bench. Now, if I remember correctly, he wasn't happy with that role. At first he wasn't. Yeah. And so, but they were winning. And then, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, with Fox being healthy, played a big role and them getting off to a, a slow start earlier this year. And then, um, you know, Bagley's missed a lot of time. So it depends if they're winning and they can, and they're competitive. And I, I think they're being, I mean, I think people are counting them out this year in the playoffs. I think they have a chance, you know, to, to fight for the, the AFC uh, and, and make it to the playoffs. Not a great chance, but I still think there's an opportunity if they can keep up the momentum that they had and, and if they're healthy. I also think because they're young, they're going to be hungry. And um, but yeah, if they're winning, then I don't know if, if he really has an option to 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 fight for a starting spot. But then it also depends on what they'll do with Bogdanovich this summer. I mean, Sacramento's they- exactly. So Sacramento's one of those teams in the mix at three and a half games out, but they're the team that nobody talks about. They talk mm-hmm. about Portland. They talk about well, the NBA likes to talk about the Pelicans, and we know right. why. Uh, so, but nobody is talking about Sacramento. How ironic would it be if Sacramento is the one of those three that pulls out and matches up against uh, Memphis as far as in those in that two game playoffs per se? I would not be shocked at all, just because, like you said, no one is talking about them. So I think they're coming in with an extra chip on their shoulder. I think Portland is going to struggle without Ariza. I think they have too many fours and fives, and I don't think their roster. It's totally balanced out, especially with Rodney Hood not playing. And then, I mean, Memphis on paper, they just don't look like they should be where they are. You know, that's probably the easiest team to forget that they are actually in the eighth spot and it doesn't seem like anyone is expecting them to hold on. New Orleans, I'm sure that's what the NBA wants. I mean, uh, Zion, LeBron, first round would – especially with nothing else on TV as far as sports, would definitely be big for the NBA. It would allow them to promote Zion even more and, of course, LeBron. So <laughs> it's uh, so with saying all that, I could definitely see Sacramento and even Memphis having this chip on their shoulders and, and coming out playing hard because both teams are young and both teams don't really play on TV. And this is an opportunity for – for those guys to kind of make a name for themselves. Well, it definitely uh, is something to think about as we go forward, because the games will be starting here in, well, when we're recording this a little over three weeks time, my friend, it's, it's, it's counting down. It's counting down. But before they go ahead and start the games, as of July 30th, there are going to be some interesting things set up as far as scrimmages are concerned. I know you got a chance to take a look at the scrimmage setup and scrimmage schedule per se, 
I do not know if these scrimmages are going to be televised or if any of them are a select few or, or I don't think that's been publicized. I know the NBA put it out there as far as the schedule is concerned. And I see that you can catch that just on the NBA's Twitter right there and Cham Sharania and then Adrian Wojnarowski. They have both have it as well. Uh, you see the list right here if you're watching on screen. But I want to ask you, my friend, you know, if this scrimmage setup is great. I, again, I don't know if it's being televised, but seeing it, uh, you know, and you're obviously becoming aware of it when it was released the other day. What are your thoughts on the way that they structured this scrimmage setup going forward? Uh, interesting to say the least. Um, I get why they're they're scrimmaging, but I can't see the players really being too interested in, in the scrimmage. I think some guys may want to do it just to get loose, but I think guys are just going to be ready to just get the season started and just kind of get the ball rolling. But that's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not one of the players. And I actually haven't talked to anybody about it, but I imagine like if it were me, I'd want to, I just want to get this thing started as soon as possible. And I don't blame them for that. That's obviously mm -hmm. the case. I wouldn't, you know, I'm going to say this, it would be nice if they televised it. I, I would only televise maybe a couple, two or three, four at best. I would not televise the entirety of it because it's not something, these guys, like you said, how seriously are they going to take it? Are they going to go ahead and meet up with the challenge of it? Is the coaching staff going to go ahead and put out the star players or how, for how long until they break a sweat and sit them down? How seriously are these teams going to take these scrimmages? I'm not so sure. So like you said, it's just a matter of just, are they going to get into shape? I think that's all what they're supposed to be doing with these scrimmages. So you don't know exactly how seriously they're going to take. So will it be good television? I'm not entirely sure. I would just take sample highlights and and, and then send them out and there you go. But I, I think that's what ultimately the NBA is going to do. Because if they had already intended on showing them off, or at least the majority, or at least even some, they would have told you already. Yeah, I, if I were in charge, I would make it like, remember NBA TV would have the real training camp where you have the guys, the commentators live, and, man, they're playing a little bit in the background, and you can hear, like, the instructions going on. I would structure it like that as opposed to just all out showing the scrimmage because it's going to be some bad basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> – I've actually had a chance to watch like a first day of an NBA training camp and it is really bad basketball because guys just, I mean, they, some guys have been playing, but you just can't simulate basketball shape. No matter how hard you work out, you can run hills, you can ride bikes, you can, and you know, some guys choose not to play during the summer. They just work out or, or do drills and they don't really play five on five. And so you know, it's it's a lot different when somebody's bumping you. You got to come off a screen or you're actually defending somebody because you're not really playing defense in your workouts. So the basketball was pretty bad until everybody, you know, kind of gets in their rhythm. And I imagine that that's what these scrimmages are going to look like because I imagine guys have been working out, but I doubt if anybody's – or I doubt if most of the players have actually been playing five on five. And it kind of reminds me, I, I do some skills training and I, I trained this kid last week. And, uh, you know, we've been going to the gym, working out at seven o'clock in the morning, getting up tons of shots. And then I found 
a place where he can go play five on five. And the next day, the first thing he says is, man, my legs are killing me from playing defense <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those muscles haven't been used. And, and so that's what I'm saying. Like these scrimmages are going to be bad because guys definitely haven't been playing defense. This is true, my friend. This is all too true. And and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that going forward as far as a lot of aches and pains, soreness, and, and things of that nature here in the next few weeks. It's not going to be pretty basketball early on, I don't think, even when it comes to the actual regular season is concerned. But still, it'll be nice to have NBA back in some form or fashion, even if it's not the prettiest thing you see. And we, you know, we, I've heard, I think you've probably heard Chris Middleton say he hasn't even picked up a ball. And that for him is really important to keep in a rhythm as a shooter because that's his main claim to fame is being a shooter. And to hear him say he hadn't even picked up a ball is because he was interviewed as saying that's kind of concerning. Although, again, you still have about three weeks to go ahead and, you know, get back in. Well, well, if I were his agent or if I were anyone that worked for the Bucks, I would be like, why would you say that? Simply because if he's in a shooting slump, if you know he shoots 42% from the field and 30% from three and the Bucks don't have this championship run that's expected, he's going to get a lot of blame for that because, you know, you know Giannis is working out. You know he found a way. You know LeBron found a way. And we've heard about these scrimmages at the. Yeah, uh, I saw LeBron. He looks in <laughs> absolutely awful shape. Just, just terrible shape. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, like I mean, you've heard the rumors that they've been playing. Like the Lakers have been playing together at at the. Uh, man, I I can't confirm it, but I've heard from Twitter sources that they've been playing. Oh and, yeah. Laker Tom yeah. from LakerHolics.net said the same exact thing, so I checked it out, and yeah, yeah, the rumors are very strong, I should say. Yeah, and so I think he just puts himself in position to get blame and a lot of criticism, even though if he was playing it safe, you know, if he hadn't been going to a gym for health reasons, it's legitimate, but I don't think the fans are going to say, especially if, you know, he's not playing well, they're going to say, well, you know, the reason why – he shot bad because he didn't shoot because he was, you know, being safe. I think once the game starts going, it, fans are going to be fans. And I just think he set himself up to be criticized. I believe that's correct. It would be interesting to see. I mean, those statistics, and you know they're going to be popping out there after like five, six games of, of the season, you know, who is shooting well coming out of the break and you know, going into it, what were they shooting? You're going to see all these comparison charts and things of that nature. Oh, he was doing so great before, and now he's not. Or now he's doing so great, and he wasn't doing it before. And it's, you're going to see all of that, and they're going to hear all these analysts. You're going to hear all these pundits trying to go ahead and analyze why or why not that's the case. So be prepared for that, everyone out there, because in the month of August, you're going to hear a lot of that. Oh, yeah, he's struggling because of this, or he's really doing well and prospering because of this scenario. It's just, you get ready for all that because you're going to hear a lot of that going forward. And I also think that another reason why I think that he made a mistake in saying that is because even though Giannis still has another year left on his contract, this is an important season for them and him signing a long-term deal. And if he feels like he doesn't have teammates 
that are working as hard as him, it could be an opportunity for him to, you know, test the waters and see if there's another opportunity that's best for him as far as free agency. So I just, like I said, I just think if Middleton, if he hadn't touched the ball, that's fine. But to come out and say it when you know that everybody's going to have their eyes on the Bucks and have their eyes on Giannis, if you know he's going to sign this extension this summer, I think you have to <laughs> you have to try to make sure that you're avoiding putting yourself in in headline situations where people can say, well, you know, Middleton wasn't working out during the you know during the break. And is Giannis going to be happy with, you know? So, I mean, imagine if it were the Lakers situation. Well, and it Anthony Davis like Kobe is. Exactly. Or even if it was like current, Anthony Davis says, I haven't touched the ball <laughs> all summer. Well, or, I mean, if, if LeBron was a free agent coming up and Anthony Davis says, I haven't touched the ball at all during this break, that would be a major story all over ESPN, especially if there was a drop-off in play. I hear you, and that's absolutely something that would be out there if that was the case. But fortunately, they're bike-riding buddies, and Mm -hmm. I always see them together, so that's a good thing for Lakers fans. So I know that there's been some changeover on personnel. I know Avery Bradley out, J.R. Smith in, so there's a little bit of question with that. But no one can fault the work ethic right now for Lakers fans out there for AD and LeBron because it looks like they're ready as they head into the bubble coming up this week and, and just looking forward to it. I know a lot of NBA fans are as well. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. But there was more teams actually wanting to have their own bubble. I want my bubble too. I want my bubble too. And before we head on out, I want to go ahead and mention that Jackie Mamolan from ESPN recently reported that the league is trying to set up a second bubble because, you know, they haven't spent enough money on the first bubble. They're going to spend some more money on a second bubble in Chicago. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. I'm not as high on it. I understand the development of the young talent and the things of that nature you're going to, they're going to get as far as the development that they will have in the 10 to 15 games or in the month or two months that they're going to spend there. But as a package or something that fans want to see i'm not sure if that's going to be the case because are you going to see a trey young are you going to see a stephen curry are you going to see a clay thompson draymond green are you going to see the actual players people want to see to make that second bubble financially feasible or is it like going to be a glorified summer league like you and i've been talking about for the past hour is it going to be just something like if we were going ahead and walking into the Thomas Mack or the Cox Pavilion in Las Vegas? See, the what I got out of that is the league wants the players in a controlled environment. So that's the only thing I can think of. To me, it doesn't make sense as far as anything but making sure that the players are around their teams, working out at a team facility, 
like like you know we keep talking about the the hoop collective podcast that they feel like it's a safer environment for the guys to be in that bubble than outside the bubble and i think that's the main reason if you get you know if i'm the hawks or if i'm the warriors i will i mean i think with the warriors they have you know veteran players so they're probably they're probably going to be a little smarter but if i had a young team and guys were spread out all over the country and living in you know the cool cities like atlanta or chicago or even just you know like staying in la i think i would prefer if i'm the general manager the owner for team i would prefer the second bubble just so i know where my players are working out at and you know who they're working out with and just kind of protecting them from themselves. And so, like I said, I think that's the only reason why it would make sense, especially hearing like how, you know, um, Serge Ibaka has raved about the situation with Toronto, how the camaraderie is there and Toronto hasn't even had any cases that we know of. And so it sounds like them going to their early bubble, I mean, at this point, it sounds like it's been beneficial. So, like I said, I think some teams, that, w- that would be uh, their reason for it. What I want to ask you this, do you think is this going to lead or is this giving you the impression that the league may actually consider a next season bubble for next season? I mean, I think they should look into it. I It doesn't seem like, you know, the coronavirus cases are going to be slowing down anytime soon. I know they're you know, everything is kind of motivated by money. So I know they would love to be able to get fans in the arenas and generate the money from ticket sales and parking and merchandise and all that. But I think they definitely have to consider it because at one point we thought the numbers would decrease with heat and and as summer went on, which we found out has been totally false. It's been the exact opposite. And then, you know, I imagine the league is probably not going to start until – late December. In my opinion, there's no way they can stay with that December 1st date. (laughs) It just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, But I think probably Christmas will probably be a better day. At least that, you know, that gives you another 24, 25 days um, before the season starts. I mean, I don't think anybody knows that at at this point, but I, I do think they're, I don't think there'll be any fans at games next year. I I would say that's the case, or at least in most arenas next year, at, at least for the foreseeable future until we start getting some vaccines and things that's going to be able to see some clear signs of this uh, being successfully fought at this point mm-hmm. in time. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's going to be any real crowds either until we see this thing kind of uh, get into a better direction. Yeah, because even if they have a vaccine, how can you determine who got the vaccine? You know, there are some people who are just totally anti-vaccine, and they would not take one even if it were available. Kind of like the flu shot. I mean, there's people who will not get a flu shot. And so, (laughs) and then, I mean, imagine just, and I mean, for safety reasons, it makes sense. But imagine the lines outside the arena if you have to do a temperature check to get into the arena. And then imagine if you know the person that spent five thousand dollars on a courtside Lakers Warrior seat, 
and they they have a fever and they're not allowed to go into the arena. Imagine just someone having a fit and a tantrum over that, which is all stuff that the league is going to have to consider. If, I mean, once fans are allowed to come back to games anyway. That's true. A lot of things to consider indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to my good friend, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Got to check out what he's doing today. Not only on NBA Draft Junkies, like I'm showing our video audience right now on YouTube, but also as well, NBADraftJunkies.com. His great stuff that he's got going on there with all those mock drafts, evaluation of players, and so much more. It's the place to go for NBA and also NBA Draft prospects. It is NBA Draft Junkies. And before we head on out, got a couple minutes left to talk what's going on with NBA Draft Junkies and what you and Joe Gomez have got cooking up right away. Yeah, the next video that we're going to do is we're going to give our top 10 small forwards. Um, hopefully we can get that done this week. And then, um, like I mentioned, I have an interview coming out with uh, Eve Potts, the uh, draft prospect from Tennessee that should be online once this episode airs. And, yeah, just some more podcasting. So thank you for, for uh, getting me heavily involved in this. I, I don't know I'll, if you'll be thanking me six or ten months from now, but okay, okay. No, I, I'll definitely be thanking you because, like you, you inspired me to do it. And so um, just being a guest on, on your show two or three times a week has made me realize how much I enjoy talking about basketball. So, um, so yeah, I, I'll definitely always give you the, the credit for, for getting me involved in this. Well, I truly appreciate it. It's been awesome having you on the show continuously as a regular guest. And uh, I feel yours just as part of the show as I am when it comes to Lakers fast break. So I cannot thank you enough. I do want to make a correction from the Laker Tom episode before we head on out. Uh, we recorded the episode and I mentioned Nick Cordero, uh, the actor, Broadway actor who was suffering from coronavirus and who'd been hospitalized for months Unfortunately, he passed away shortly after we finished the taping. So our thoughts go out and condolences out go out to his wife and his family for that. Uh, truly outstanding Broadway actor, unfortunately, passed away from us all too soon from the effects of the coronavirus. And he was battling for a long time and unfortunately and, and was not able to win that battle. But again, I just want to go ahead and our heartfelt apologies and condolences to him, uh, his family, and, and everybody from all of us here at the Lakers Fast Break. If you have any questions for us at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter, or if you do the standard email type stuff still, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. This man right here has got a, always an interesting Twitter. If he's not talking about bike rides or the NBA draft, or there's a whole bunch of stuff else he's talking about at Barlow 500, including Scotty Pippen's hair. And there's so much more that he talks about. So please follow him at Barlow 500 or at NBA Draft Junkies. A lot of great stuff going on there. Always here at the Lakers Fast Break as well. And we cannot thank you enough. Please like our shows, subscribe, whatever you can do to support our shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, NBA Draft Junkies, all of our podcasts, anything you can do to help us out. We truly appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, Raphael, I'm going to get you on here soon as some more news comes up from the NBA as, as more of it comes down the pike. I want to hear your thoughts continuously on this because I so truly appreciate everything you do for us right here at the Lakers Fast Break.